Welcome to the last episode of March of the PFF Forecast, March 31st. We have got a great show, an absolutely great show. Sage Rosenfels, coach of the QB Collective, former NFL quarterback, played under Kyle Shanahan, has some strong words about Justin Fields. He said them on Twitter. He's coming on the show today to talk about them. Uh, he's not going on any other podcasts. So you're going to have to get it here. Um, and then Eric and I are going to do some win totals because they're out. We're going to do the NFC South. We're going to have the whole thing on Sunday. It's going to be a great show. Let's rock. Sage is coming on, Eric. You've known Sage for a while, huh? Well, he was uh, he was the he was the co-host with me the first time I ever did a live radio show. Really? Yeah, we did the Vikings pregame show. Got like two or three years ago at uh-huh. uh, fifteen hundred ESPN. They have the Vikings, of course, shit the bed as they are wont to do. So <laughs> that 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 is what that is what always happens. But yeah, Sage, and then Sage was the quarterback you know, growing up in Minnesota, Sage was the backup, but he was supposed to be the starting quarterback the year the Vikings swooped down to Mississippi and signed mm-hmm. Favre. So he got one of like, he was the backup for a bunch of teams. Then the Vikings traded for him to be the starter. And then he got screwed because the Vikings like said, no, wait, wait a sec. We want Favre instead. And then um, all the rest is history um, for him. But yeah, he's, he's great. And he has a lot of great experiences. Yeah. We're going to talk about them a little bit here to set it up. Um, obviously he's played in the NFL, 12 seasons, five teams. I messed that up in the beginning, but it's whatever. Um, but has had an opportunity to also work with a lot of the younger quarterbacks in high school before they get to college. And that's where his experience with Justin Fields will come into play. Um, Kyle Shanahan, a lot of these other coaches, as he'll mention, they go to those camps. They work in those camps. They've been there. They've seen these kids. Um, so it'd be really interesting to hear his perspective on just this whole Niners thing, the players, uh, the, the quarterbacks, and what he thinks about them. So it'll be really good. Uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it. Sage Rosenfels. Here we go. Before we get to Sage, I got to remind you guys, pff.com, there's so many things that you need to get to make this draft experience what it can be. It's one of the greatest, one of the most fun drafts I can remember ever happening. PFF.com, the draft guide, the last, the final version with all the team fits, all of the, the roster analysis, all the player analysis. Uh, it's it's live at PFF.com with a PFF Edge subscription. It's just $40 for the entire year. Um, and then it takes you through the entirety of next season. So it helps you prep for your fantasy league, gets you all of the premium content at pff.com go to pff make that happen right now if you're gonna bet like we are then you might get an elite subscription the props tool will be there for you the dfs optimizer the betting dashboards with an elite subscription for the whole year so go to pff.com make that happen if you're looking for a place eric as some people are you know to go win a few dollars make some some smart investments uh draftkings and the DraftKings sportsbook app is a place that can help you there There are basketball games being played, NCAA basketball games. They're not particularly good basketball games, but they're exciting. They're they're not great, but DraftKings is making it more watchable because if you use promo code PFF, 
When you sign up, you can turn $1 into $100 by betting on any team. Just bet on Gonzaga. They're probably going to blow the, the doors off of UCLA. And then you'll get $100. And then you can go bet on draft props or futures. Maybe the Falcons. Just roll that into the Falcons, okay? We're going to talk about them in a second. Roll it into the Falcons. DraftKings and DraftKings Sportsbook app. It is by far the best sportsbook app out there. Go download it. Use promo code PFF. You must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania are the only places. New customers are the only ones eligible for this promotion. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Now, if you're looking for something a little, you know, different to invest in, maybe like the stock market, but with sports, another place that has you covered is Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L, you can find it at symbol.app slash PFF and you use promo code PFF to make your first deposit, make a $10 deposit, you get a free PFF Edge subscription. So that draft guide I told you about, you'll get one of those. Um, Eric, I have a feeling you've been making some investments. I personally would have guessed that you've bought some Falcons shares, some Sim Falcons. Sim yeah, Lana. I think uh, the, the value of my portfolio has like, hashtag gone up quite a bit recently. But I am going to put some investments into Sim Falcons here. Um, so go check it out. It's actually really cool. Like the fact that you can kind of play the um, sports market like the stock market is a lot of fun. They pay you when your team wins. You get a dividend. And then, of course, you can sell your shares if you want, just like the stock market. So go to symbol.app slash PFF. Use promo code PFF. Download, uh, deposit $10. Get a free Edge annual subscription for an entire year. That is an awesome value. And now, speaking of awesome value, Sage freaking Rosenfels. Let's get it. It is our pleasure to welcome back. The last time we were together, we were in Miami. Uh, it felt like five years ago. Sage Rosenfels, thrower of footballs for 12 NFL teams, writer of words, speaker of thoughts. Um, you can find whoa, him. Whoa, whoa, 12 NFL teams, 12 NFL seasons. 12 NFL seasons. Five NFL teams. Five Let's NFL teams. The right Look, it, I know I'm a journeyman, but man, that might be the record. <laughs> it's not quite Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, Ryan Sage, Patrick might be a 12. Sage, did you know there's a YouTube channel called Backup Quarterback Highlights? And I got to say that you, yours and Matt Moore's length of video is the longest, like by far. Like you have, <laughs> you have like Colt McCoy and like, you know, Chase Daniel, like Colt three McCoy's, minute guys. And then yours are like 10 minutes of you throwing bullets to Andre Johnson. Colt McCoy uh, uh, it, just signed. So Sage, yeah. maybe, maybe you've got... You maybe you got something left in you. Also, I should mention a coach of the quarterback collective. And we're going to talk about why that matters here in a second. You um, you played uh, under Kyle Shanahan in Houston, correct? That is correct. Uh, when you my first year, I was there three years. Kyle was the uh, receivers coach the first year. Um, Troy Calhoun was actually sort of the quarterbacks coach coordinator, and he's been the Air Force head coach ever since. Well, then Kyle moves up to quarterbacks coach, and then uh, on to offensive coordinator my third year. So I, I think to set the scene, give us a, maybe a, a quick summary, an elevator speech. What's it like to play quarterback for Shanahan? Well, everything you do uh, has a really sort of exact, almost black and white rhyme or reason to it of how mm -hmm. he has designed it, how, how he has come up with it. I think he uses sort of the science of the game uh, the deeper science that a lot of coaches just sort of don't sort of get to, like exactly how defenses work from a run game perspective for responsible. And then what's the best way really like what with, with play action, with bootlegs, these different things to then sort of fool the defense uh, to then, you know, sort of make the, the job of the quarterback much easier. 
Uh, so, you know, the play action plays, those are easy completions for a quarterback. And Kyle sort of took that knowledge that I, that we were sort of building there when he sort of met with his dad slash Gary Kubiak's Alex Gibbs assistant. And I think he saw the ability to make these big plays uh, with that zone scheme that to me sort of changed, uh, you know, sort of everything. It's changed this league a lot and quarterbacks for the most part have had a ton of success, whether it's preseason games or regular season NFL games uh, in that system. And they always run the ball well and et cetera, et cetera. And so I just so happened to have, you know, played for those. Matt LaFleur was quality control for, for <laughs> two years when I was there. He would he'd come from my, some small college, maybe division two college as an offensive coordinator, which I loved because he had called plays at this younger level. Now he was, he had that responsibility. Now he was moving up to actually really learn this and from Kyle. And so I saw that whole thing happen. I saw it when, you know, they went to Washington and Sean joined on Mm -hmm. and then, you know, the rest is sort of history. And I'm also lucky enough to do some football camps where those guys show up to, (laughs) they show up to them and that's the quarterback collective. Uh, And they show up to these camps and we get some of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, We we usually do it in July and uh, you know, Formal invitation to uh, it's, Eric it's an, over here. It's, it's he an can sling it a little bit. I'm, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, you know, um, so so Kyle did have a chance to see, uh, and these other coaches too, some of these quarterbacks. And obviously we're in that situation. I know that's why you guys are having me on yeah. today to sort of talk about Justin Fields. And, you know. So, so let me ask you then, your reaction, you see San Francisco last week, they moved from 12 to three. They trade three firsts. What was your reaction immediately when you saw that? I, I was like, well, I'm sure it's to get Justin Fields. I haven't watched enough Mac Jones. I haven't watched enough uh, Trey Lance to go like, are they really special? Like is Mac Jones, Tom Brady in the making? Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. uh, right. Cause that's what you're going for. You're going for this huge top end. And, and I don't know what the year was about five years ago, four or five years ago when Fields was at our camp. There, you know, I said, kid going to Miami, kid going to USC, this kid's going here. He was going to Georgia. Um, maybe he hadn't even committed yet. I can't remember, but he's going to his senior year. And to me, he was hands down the best quarterback there. Uh, I'm watching him throw seam routes and I'm seeing that body uh, and his strength. And also I get to relate to them, have conversations with them. Hey, can you do this? Can you do that? And he, I can't say one negative that I saw, right? Accuracy, how the ball comes off their hands. You can watch a lot of film, but until you actually see all that up close and personal, um, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. So uh, I don't think they have anything to do with each other, but uh, as far as like Kyle and the camp and and now, uh, you know, I don't know, but I do know that what I'm sure what he saw was a kid that just physically, but also some personality that uh, I, I thought as another coach at that camp was going to be a top five pick someday. That's what I saw. Well, uh, I see it. I see it with some other kids that are coming up that I see in high school now that are going off to these different colleges. I see these kids from when they're freshmen, sophomores, juniors in high school. And so there's just some where, you know, to play in the NFL, to be great, you have to have some really special physical abilities to do what, you know, uh, Russell Wilson does the way that ball comes out of your hand. And you can see that stuff 
at a couple of these camps that I go to and I love it because I get to then sort of watch them go like, huh, whatever, whatever happened to that guy or, yeah. oh man, that guy who I didn't really think much of now obviously is Mac Jones. Like I didn't even probably notice him that much there because I was watching Justin Fields or these, you know, some of these other guys. He, he was actually busy well, and, getting a DUI, but. Well, and, and Sage, the, the interesting thing for, for, for this Kyle Shanahan discussion was, we've always seen that Shanahan has preferred what people would consider sort of middle of the pack quarterbacks that he can sort of mold. So this has been, this has been the argument that I have heard Chris Sims and Dan Orlovsky both say, who I both highly respect. Um, but he's never gone after a young quarterback. Hold, I think that's sort of the difference. I've heard this because here's my issue with it though. You're never going to trade up three rounds in the draft to get that's Kurt Cousins. He's never drafted a QB, right? So like the only QB he's ever drafted in my recollection, well, I guess they drafted RG3. But supposedly but RG, that was Dan Snyder's pick. Yeah, yeah, but then, but then, you know, the only quarterbacks he's drafted were low quarterbacks. Like, you know, he could probably you know, claim when, cousins in fourth round. When he could claim he Bathard in San Francisco. But like he's this is different, isn't it? Because he's always sort of made do with somebody else's quarterback, right? Like Matt Schaub with the guy that you played with in Houston, like he was the Falcons backup that they traded for when they when Dar- David Carr like, you know, was a, you know, failed for them. And yeah. he was sort of like the next, he was kind of the Kirk of that time, Kirk cousins of that time in many ways. You're, that is exactly right. And, Matt, and, led, Matt led the NFL in passing in one year, went to the pole yeah. and the pole MVP. Um, what, so what, so it's sort of like, and he does the same thing with running backs, you know, mm-hmm. we go back yeah. to Mike Anderson for this conversation, Steve how, Slayton, how, how to maximize someone's, the running backs and and the quarterbacks. The he got the most out of me. I played for Norv Turner. I played for Kevin Gilbride. I pay, played for Daryl Bevel. I played for Jason Garrett, Scott Linehan, Ryan Schottenheimer. In my opinion, this is no just no disrespect for those guys. Kyle made me the best quarterback. His system and himself uh, and the positions he put me in, and with Gary Kubiak and the whole thing, uh, they made he made Owen Daniels into a heck of a tight end. Like they make these guys into really good players. And I, the teaching, I do think it's, it's, it's at a whole nother level. And I just, I feel like I'm super lucky that I get to even, that I got to spend that time to learn yeah. some of those, learn some of those details, when, some of those things that set him apart from, you know, the, the coach on the, the 32nd best offense. So when you hear this guy fits Kyle Shanahan's scheme, what, what's your reaction to that? Uh, what? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Like, is he average, but he can execute? Like, I always said, yeah. Kirk Cousins is like an executor. And if you put him in the right position, man, he can tear it up. But he's never going to make you a play. He's never going to make you a play. So isn't that and, French? Isn't that French for saying the scheme is great? <laughs> you know, well, the scheme makes a, a good quarterback really good or an average quarterback good or a bad quarterback good enough to – you know, throw eight for 10 in a preseason game for yeah. 40 yards, right? Like they, 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 he just finds ways to keep it sort of simple, but I also add this great complexity to it. We're gen, like when I, when I left Houston in 2009, I can't remember if it was like Rex Grossman or, or, or Liner to went there. And I saw him playing the pre, 
Grossman threw for like 296 and a, and a half in a preseason <laughs> game or something. Did not surprise me because even I would throw up some good numbers in preseason games. And I was, again, it was that system and, and, and that offensive coordinator. So, Kyle so when you see the Niners now, they've sort of reached, well, Shanahan in general, right? So he's gotten to the Super Bowl with Atlanta as an OC. He's gotten to the Super Bowl and fourth quarter leads in both. And sort of seeing what a great quarterback, like a truly great quarterback can do to sort of eliminate all the greatness that, that he's had in, in those single games. When I Brady see the move Holmes. up, well, yeah, when I see the, when I see the move up to three, I see him making an admission and saying, it's a lot of fun to turn Kirk cousins into a $30 million quarterback. It's a lot of fun to turn Jimmy G into a super bowl quarterback. Actually, I disagree with you. It's not as fun. It's harder. Yeah. Yeah. It's but it's a challenge, right? He, you're you're trying to win the Indy 500 in a Chevelle. Yeah. And it's just not going to happen. But he's, right? he's so, saying no, to no, himself, not, not that Kirk cousins is a Chevelle. I, that's not what I meant, but that, that's what but I, I was. I was a Chevelle at one point and I was trying to, you know, but, um, but yeah, but if you can to, have a better car, You'll get her on the track faster. And you look at the league right now, Pat Mahomes is that guy. Uh, I think Russell Wilson is in that conversation of a guy. I think Deshaun Watson, all the other things going on, but he physically and all the things that he's done in the field is like, wow, that guy, you can really, he is special. He carries the team on his back. Brady in a weird way, weird way is that guy because he knows everything yeah. <laughs> and he just, just carves you up. He just yeah. can see it. You do it that long. He's like a professor. He just seen so many things yeah. and he's done. So, so, so that's the thing you can't get in breeze with sort of like that too. You can't, that's where the knowledge just overcomes some of the things you lose in the body. But I, I think that you, that what Kyle is thinking is you have to have an extremely high potential uh, uh, upside to make a, you know, two and a half to three round trade, however you want to say it to go get this kid. And I think personally, uh, I think personally, it's Justin Fields. That's what I think. I don't think it's uh, uh, because I've had any conversation with Kyle or anybody. I haven't. And believe me, they'll keep that thing close to the vest. Yeah. But I personally go, Justin Fields could be uh, a Deshaun Watson type player or maybe a Pat Mahomes type player or maybe a Russell. I actually see him as a Russell Wilson comp. Now, I don't know how you guys do all the comps and all these things. I see a bigger version, taller uh, but in a lot of ways, of it, maybe not as like run around like Russell does, but you know, he is a very accurate thrower. I believe he throws very a accurate. great ball. He throws a great deep ball. He can, he, I'm sure get the ball on time. He, I definitely know it was taught pretty well in college. All right. I definitely know that he's been through a rigorous system, played a lot of games, won a lot of games, touchdown interception ratio. And these are not easy throws. This is not Josh Heupel going 40 and five. <laughs> These are like seams down the middle and post yeah. What? And I think Kyle sees that. I, the New York Jets might see that. Well, so I, this is going to be my I, question. I, I, I really Sage, think will, they, they may end up with Fields. Zach Wilson. I, oh, Wilson or Fields? I haven't watched enough Zach Wilson uh, yet. I've okay, seen the Jets, the Jets on, have just on, taken Panay Sewell. Kyle Shanahan is sitting oh. there. He's got Fields, <laughs> Lance, and Wilson. Who would you take? And Wilson. Yeah. yeah so like, let's say the Jets passed on. The, the Jets passed have passed on, on a quarterback, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'd probably go with Justin Fields, but only because, again, I've, I've, I've seen that to me 
that that means something to me that I mm, spent yeah. that time with them. And I sat down with him one time during a lunch break and just sort of talked to him. He'd been to like 12 camps that summer. I was like, man, I grew up in a small town of 300 people, went to no football camps. I don't even <laughs> know what your world must be like. And I honestly, I'm sorry. I, I, I cause he's, that's what they do. These kids are on these, like, these circuits. And I got to know the kid and I was like, this kid I think is going to be. Was he on time to lunch? Did he get there late and leave lunch early? <laughs> I there, think there's so. a, there's yeah. a uh, Sage, there's a, it's pretty there's loose a during, out there it's pretty right loose now. During, that... Pretty loose during lunchtime at a, at a quarterback. Eric, so Eric's gonna, Eric was going to mention this. So Dan Orlovsky said he has heard he's last guy in, first guy to leave, doesn't have great work ethic. You need a guy who wants to be great. You hear that. Your thoughts. Do you think this is a team leaking it to Dan to try to get in a very uncreative way? I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to speculation there, but I do know the person that was always the first guy in the last guy to leave was the custodian. All right. And I'm tired of people using that phrase because I wasn't an early riser and I didn't like getting there three hours before everybody else. But you know, a lot of times I would stay later or sometimes I'd go home and watch a little film. But, you know, and I play with some of the best. All right. Brett Favre was not the first guy to get there and the last guy to leave. Are you kidding me? Like, and, and Eli wasn't either. Eli and I went home about the same. And he wasn't there that much before me. Right. So it's like that phrase. I don't know his work ethic. I don't know Justin Fields' uh, you know, all those things. That, that's Shane Day and the Ohio State coaching staff and all that. It is this whole thing, though, is wild. I'm telling you, it has been the wildest. <laughs> uh, you know, it is. What is it? March? 30th or something? What is today? 31st. All right. So this is what we're talking about. And this is the NFL. And this is why you guys also make money because draft prep and draft conversation (laughs) is a booming economy. And this, but this is a, this is like the perfect red meat for it. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. I, I, uh, I think that, I think that we, we scoff at this a little bit, but um, football has certainly taken over March Madness. I, I will say this. I, I think, and everyone knows the brilliance of Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, that doesn't mean he's going to win the Super Bowl every year. It doesn't mean he's even going to go to the playoffs every year. There's all, As we all know, like last year, there's all these variables that go into it. Bill Belichick did not, got fired. And I don't think Kyle will get – I think Lynch knows we may not win for a while – but over time, Kyle's going to have a lot of really good football teams. We got to find the defense. You got to find this like quarterback and Kyle will sort of do the rest with whatever he gets. And they're trying to find this quarterback. And uh, it's, it's a huge move because as we all know, if Kyle Shanahan has a, a, a pretty good team, he can get a quarterback to play great. He can get an offense to play great. He can get a running game to play great. And that's you know it means that whoever is going to end up in his spot i mean talk about a case of like it's not when you get drafted to where you get drafted yeah and who what this kid's future finances might look like because he got here instead of uh the new york jets right <laughs> i mean and i get drafted too i'm like can i go back to three that's something we've said a lot which is kyle shanahan not only can i think get the best out of somebody if fields is a bust i think his floor is still high enough to be worth the third pick like i because 
if he if he's like Nick because Mullins of the averages eight yards a pass attempt for the San what, Francisco what 49ers. Is, what is the thing? What is the knock from you know all your statistics and all these things? Good, good point. Uh, and what you from athleticism to passing to short to long to what so, we naturally see. Four four three speed. By the way, I, look, find I, me the, find me the knocks on this kid compared to the knocks on Blake Bortles back in the day and what he was doing at his school. There aren't very many, I promise. I heard Blake Bortles was first guy to and last guy to leave a party. So I, I'm just saying. But <laughs> I, this was the one knock, and I'll have you respond to this. You know, blitz his his time to throw against the blitz increases. His, his blitz pickup, his kind of understanding of where to attack the defense, what is the defense pre-snap have, have been things that we've identified as his kind of weakness and things that have come out there. Is that something that you've seen or has he improved in that? And how would he continue to improve? I think a lot of college offenses from what I see, you know, you can hold the ball so much longer than college. And they run a lot of these concepts and they run them over and over and over again. And they're just sort of plays that attack various defenses and occasionally have a goat guy go here and occasionally have a shallow route here. And they're these sort of read it across the field plays. And I think those plays are, they're almost impossible to run the NFL. And I think that style changes to more coverage based and understanding coverages more because you get so much more time. It's just, that's where college and pro game is sort of different. I watch my Iowa State Cyclones and they don't do a lot of like, hey, single, how you're working over here, two, how you're working over here. There's all these complexities going on to it. But in the pro game, it's just sort of, uh, it's just sort of different that way. And because you have to get the ball out faster because there's mm-hmm. the Neil Hunters coming after you yeah. left and right. Every team has some freak of nature on the, or three of them on the other side of the ball. And so it's just so, so hard to, to hold up up front. So that then changes. So, so to me, is was he accurate, right? Um, and 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 leave the teaching to Kyle to create a system that works best for him. And also how he thinks. Everyone thinks differently. Everyone thinks uh, like we all see football the same. Good coaches aren't talking about just the physical things they do. It's actually how their brain can operate to sort of maximize their overall abilities. And everyone has different processing methods to do that. And good coaches sort of find the things that make the most sense for that player based off of how they see them play. And I think Kyle does that as good as I was a high school sort of option veer bootleg quarterback. Really? <laughs> Six, four, 188 pounds. I promise. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I was scary out there. An athlete. But, but all in a basketball player and a baseball. So all of that bootleg stuff in high school, I think really helped me, especially, you know, in those preseason games, whatever, when Gary Kubiak went looking for a backup quarterback in 2006. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I'm very thankful for that bootleg game, but it's been, the bootleg game has been very good to say Jordan's. It's also probably that. why David Carr didn't work in that offense because he had years of, he had years of just bad training the previous, you know, before, before uh, Kubiak got into into Houston, I mean, he got sacked like eighty times a year. You and have it's just you like, have no idea that when we walked in there, uh, and I'm not going to get into the who I don't know who the coaches really were before, but it was it, it was a tragedy that that was an NFL offense because we watched some of the games sometimes, but just to see their tight ends had like this tight end, you know, she she go into that offseason like who are these new guys on the team. So and so tight end, fourth round draft a couple, a couple of years ago, he had one catch last year. That tight end had three catches last year. 
they, they threw their total tight ends. Mark Bruner was our like mating tight. He was like an eight catch a year guy. Like yeah. that was it. They didn't use the tight ends. They try to block everybody and throw a deep to Andre Johnson. Like the create. When they couldn't protect. Sudden, they couldn't protect. So, so yeah. So now all of a sudden we get in this Kubiak thing and we're out there and there's guys wide open, but, but yeah, the jump from that offense to Kubiak's offense uh, slash Kyle's offense was, it's like a different stratosphere of, of detail um, that I think that again, I, I feel very fortunate that I, w- I would like to be a part of and to learn the basics of it. Sage, we appreciate you taking some time. You're a friend of ours. Come on anytime and talk football. We'll have you. Um, I should mention in addition to the five NFL teams, 12 NFL seasons, speaker of thoughts, teacher of teacher of the football, you apparently also a stand-up comedian and vocal magician, a singer. I've been trying to find this cut that apparently exists of you doing both stand-up comedy and singing a debut single. I hope to have it for the next time we have you on. If, if you can find it, I will sit here and I will watch it because I've never seen the video of it, but okay. it is out there. I got to do a quick comedy tour with, a, with two comedians uh, and it was a great time. And then a, a hurricane sort of cut it short. Uh, but there is a tape out there of me singing a Whitney Houston song uh, with as much passion as I could get out. Yeah, there is a, there, on <laughs> stage awesome. in front of people. We're going to find it. We're going to put money on the, the total minute, total length of it. It'll be a whole thing. Sage, thank you for dropping some knowledge. And uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Special thanks to Sage. I, you know, we didn't get into the Miami stories, Eric. Look, he had he had a hard out at, at what day, you know, yeah, three fifty five or something like that. So we had to we had to accommodate that. So we we stayed really on point here. Um, but yeah, he I mean, the stories with him are, are great as as um, our friend Matthew, who worked with him at 1500 ESPN for a few years, uh, can attest. It's it's pretty fun. Yeah. Maybe the next time we get him on, I'll recount the the story that we have from Miami that he may or may not remember. I'm not sure, but it's a good story. What was your reaction to hearing him talk about fields, about the Niners, about Shanahan? Well, I think it's, um, it's interesting because he certainly talks about, I would say elite potential quarterbacks differently than he would talk about a normal Shanahan quarterback himself included, right? He always talks sort of about the cousins and the Jimmy G's and the Matt mm-hmm. Schaub and like sort of in this group where, and I think I misspoke with like Shanahan sort of likes the challenge of mm-hmm. getting greatness out of that. I knew what you were saying. Yeah. And, and whereas, you know, he talks about fields as sort of having that potential. And I, and I think what's really interesting. And, and he said this at the end, and we've said this, I think a little bit where Zach Wilson might be the better prospect of the two, but if Zach Wilson goes two. And, and Justin Fields goes three. I think Justin Fields is a better outlook in his career because oh. the floor for him is so much higher. Whereas with the Jets, it's it, it's like Wilson might become the next Joe Namath, but he could also become the next Browning Nagel. Like it's just Sam Darnold. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it, it's a good point that you made. And I, this was something that I was going to ask Sage and I'll, I'll have this discussion with you. We can talk about it because. I'm sitting here and I'm looking at, you know, a bunch of different people's big boards and I'm watching Justin Fields look like a Greek God that can also throw a football over a mountain um, in his pro day. He was sensational in college, all these things. And you then think about what Kyle Shanahan may want to do. 
and you go back and you listen to some of the, the comments that he's made about, for example, the read option and about how it opens up a scheme uh, for you to throw the ball and how it's so hard to defend. And you look at these quarterbacks and go, well, you're not doing that with, with Zach Wilson. We know how much Kyle Shanahan loves the run game and loves to have his scheme as, as Sage put it, like a deeper science. Like he thinks about how his offense works on a different level, right? He's thinking yeah. about how do it, what is the defense going to do and how am I going to kill them? And I'm it's not interesting sure. By the, it's interesting, by the way, that there's a, the, that's how some coaches. So I was on the phone a couple weeks ago with Mark Tressman, who used to be the head coach of the Bears. I and, know who Mark Tressman is, yeah. And, and he was saying, very, I was like, well, what are you looking for in data? And he goes, well, for me, it's about whether or not they're executing their steps. And I'm thinking like the precision that a lot of these coaches think in is not necessarily like, are, is not necessarily conducive to a quarterback who is able to sort of improvise and stuff like that. Right. I think, don't you agree that the next real challenge for Shanahan is going to be how he does with a player who has sort of like off script sort of skills uh no <laughs> okay so you're, you have faith you have faith that he's just let me put it this way i think we're making mountains out of molehills about the fact that he's these are the quarterbacks he's had in the past okay he's never had an elite athlete as a quarterback unless you go back to uh rg3 he's been dealt with your run of the mill your average nfl quarterbacks and the fact that he's been so good as to make them look really good is a testament to his scheme. Am I worried now? Would I worry about a, a player that comes in and doesn't listen to Kyle Shanahan? Yeah, of course. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking well, about. Well, that's what Dan Orlovsky's talking about. Yeah, but Dan Orlovsky is is out there. He's on the streets of Cincinnati, you know, doing the things that we told people in the last episode not to do. By the way, um, by the way, we need to be. I I need to be a little bit less critical of him. I think what. I think there's something having to do with the media, sort of the teams trying to use the media to possibly alter the draft order. I wish that the teams, if this is true, and he could just be saying what he thinks, and that's bad. But to me, if you're an NFL team and you're trying to get a guy to fall, be more creative. Stop uh, well, stop talking about the guy's character. Like, say something like, but hold on, you know what I mean? On. Can I, can I say this for a second? Like, and, and I actually, Mina Kimes, who we both respect uh, with the utmost respect, yep. spoke very highly of Dan Orlovsky. And so I really, I do think Dan Orlovsky is a good guy, but I have a huge issue with saying things like that and not providing, you know, you got to give a little more there. You can't be like, oh, I heard this. You know, that's why, that's why working in the news is so important. Because if you just wrote about everything you fucking heard, like it would be a shit show out there. Yeah, like yeah. people lie. People, there's reason for people to lie. He's from Georgia. You know, Trevor Lawrence also. Like there's a there's there are people that have different reasons for doing different things, and you never know what they are. And so and you're and you're paid by the way as an analyst to synthesize the information. You're not a what. You're not mm -hmm. the the print on the newspaper. You're the so what. So if you if you say stuff like this and then you say, well, I'm just reporting the news mm -hmm. like that's not actually what you're being paid for. You're being paid to synthesize it. So if you say like, I don't if you preface it with I don't necessarily think this is true. Here are some counterexamples like him playing with seven broken ribs against Clemson <laughs> and winning by three touchdowns. If you sort of come back with that kind of stuff and say, look, this is what some people are saying. This is what 
the evidence suggests is true, which is that he dealt with adversity and transferring from Georgia to Ohio State. He played he wrote a petition to the Big Ten to get the season back on when they were trying to cancel the season. He played through broken ribs in both. And played well. Played yeah, well. In both, by the way, and this is the other thing. Zach Wilson has done everything right, but you know what he didn't do? He didn't play. He didn't even come close to playing in the in the college football playoff. Justin Fields played in those games, both of them, both of them with severe injuries when all of us, none of us, would ding him one bit if he sat out those games to stay healthy mm -hmm. for the NFL. And he played those. And so, again, to your point, George, I think you're 100% correct. If you have that platform and you're giving voice to things like that, it is your job to provide the other side of the argument. Otherwise, you're just and and it's and sh, you know shame on the if, if the person's giving them that shame on them for not being like if it is a smokescreen, they got to be more creative because don't don't ding somebody's character just because yep. you want to draft him. No, I, I agree with you. And I, and I want to back this up with data here. He had a 93 PFF grade against Clemson with broken ribs everywhere. Amazing. Now the Alabama game, people go, oh yeah, they got the shit kicked out of them. And they did as a team. Justin Fields played, go back and watch that game. Justin Fields finished that game with an 85 PFF grade, right? Like sometimes the final score is the, is your biggest enemy in evaluating yeah. how a player has performed. And yes, I know he didn't play well against Northwestern. I get that, right? Like he had a bad game, um, but I, I am going to make the, the argument at least. I'm not saying that I would do this necessarily, but I think there's a solid argument to be made that Kyle Shanahan would take Justin Fields over Zach Wilson and, and or Trey Lance over Zach Wilson because he believes that having a running option at quarterback is going, that is also accurate. Justin, Justin Fields, incredibly accurate, gives him something that with his scheme could be unstoppable. Yeah. I and think that he hasn't had, quite honestly, he has not had before. And you look at Andy Reid, who was making magic with Alex freaking Smith. And he goes, look, Andy Reid is being crowned as a wizard still. And he's got the best fucking quarterback in the league. So yeah. give me some of that. Yeah, I mean, I'll just be up front. I, I think like Zach Wilson's statistical projections, even after you account for everything, like who he played and all that stuff they're better than fields currently. And that wasn't the case prior to the season. So this past year, Wilson did enough. In my opinion, he's also athletic enough. Right. So like, okay, but, but hold on. You're not, you're not running. You're not running Zach Wilson on 10 designed runs. No, of course not. But, yeah. but I, I can, if I'm Shanahan, I can run the tradition. I can run what has been Shanahan's offense prior to this year with Wilson. Mm -hmm. I, he, I do think a running option certainly opens up a different dimension that we have not seen besides the RG three year. Um, but, but you're right. I mean, look, Shanahan could very well shuffle the deck chairs and I'd trust him vis-a-vis -vis his own offense. Um, I do think that there, there, you could, you can make an argument that the, the, the distribution is wider for Wilson, which should help a team that needs to get out of a rut like the jets. Right. Mm -hmm. So I maybe, maybe Wilson's a better pick for the jets than Agreed. fields is, but I don't think that they're that far away. And I certainly don't think that now we, we talk about the betting markets, Wilson's minus a thousand to go second. So I think mm -hmm. he's basically a lock to go to, I don't think that this widening gap that we're seeing, at least in perception is warranted at all. Even if I do think Wilson is the better of the two prospects. Um, by the way, maybe Kyle Shanahan just listened to our podcast where we talked about Mac Jones going 
under 17 and a half being a stone cold motherfucking lock and goes, I like those guys. I'm going to help them out a little bit. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to the pro day. I'm going to make sure that, that Mac Jones is now it's what is it? Is it below nine and a half now? I think it's nine and a half. I haven't still nine I haven't and even half. checked. I, I did see, by the way, Jamar chase minus 400 to go be the first wide receiver. So, you know, c- continue to eat the closing line value. Look, you're going to feed your family, draft, but you're going to feed your family Easter dinner. And it's just going to be closing line value on the table. <laughs> Um, let's, um, I was going to, the, the last comment I was going to make is this, is that I saying that I think Kyle Shanahan may have Justin Fields ahead of Zach Wilson is me kind of connecting some dots, which is like, I don't want to tip my hand. I sure as hell don't want Matt, Laf- uh, uh, LaFleur and Sala, not, uh, Matt LaFleur, but his little brother was Mike LaFleur, um, mm-hmm. and Sala to go, Oh, you know what? Kyle likes Fields. Maybe we should like him too, you know, but I personally am with you. What Zach Wilson can do throwing a football. Remember Mahomes is great because of what he can do throwing the football. Everything else is, is ancillary, right? You talk about how good of a running quarterback he is. It's not because they design runs for him. It's because he's so mentally intelligent and athletic. So I want to make sure that's correct. That is I think the best outcome for the league, the best outcome for the league is Lawrence Wilson fields i don't think there's any like if you want the league to be as fun and as optimal moving forward you want lawrence on the jags you want wilson on the jets and you want fields on the 49ers to me we come out of april i and pits on the falcons let's go pits on the. you're gonna go pits on the falcons okay okay i I was gonna ask you that i'm going back and forth obviously chase would be great but like Mm -hmm. i mean when you're talking yeah it, it I, you can't go wrong. The only reason I now think Pitts is the better pick is just the, the positional scarcity. He might be, and this is always stupid to say, but like he might be the fourth best tight end in football. Right now? Yeah. But I don't – is that is that supposed to be impressive? Well, if, if you're getting if, – <laughs> if, if, if he's not third, then I don't want him. Okay. If he doesn't, well, if he doesn't come I, into the league, if Kyle Pitts is not immediately the third best tight end, I, I don't I even want to think about taking him. He better okay. be com- he better be in Kelsey Kittle territory by the end of his rookie season. I see. I think I think Waller, Kittle, and Kelsey have a claim to be, you know. Okay. I think after that, all bets are off. Which which when you're talking about like Jared Cook this year made one one year six for L.A. Chargers. Pitts is not even going to make that basically going to make that much money in a rookie cost control. Like if, if Jared cook goes to LA and catches 80 balls for a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns, he's making 12 million the following year. If Pitts does that in year one, the, the, the Falcons are going to say, well, you got your year two on your rookie deal here, buddy. Like that's the, that's the great thing about this cost control stuff. When Mahomes threw 50 touchdowns the next year, he had to make year three of his rookie deer deal. If Andy Dalton throws 50 touchdowns for the bears, he's going to the, he's going to the counter and saying, I want uh, Kirk cousins money or something like that. Like that's the value. If you can get that kind of player, like let's say Pitts comes into league and plays like Travis Kelsey and you have cost control on him for three years plus, uh, an option it, it's a pretty like again i think chase is also in the conversation but like those two guys in the falcons would make what we're going to talk about next an absolute stone cold lock for me uh, i agree i i can see where you're going and i would say with arthur smith 
his ability to make the tight end a weapon where that confuses the defense from a personnel perspective makes me okay. You know, with the pits, I do, I do think chase is the better player. And that's why when it comes to the Bengals and everyone's going to go, I got to take a tackle. They got to take a tackle. Look, you'll be just fine with an average tackle. I mean, they got Riley reef to play left tackle. Like if if you don't have elite, receivers you are doing joe burrow a disservice did you see i don't know if the Bengals watched joe burrow at lsu maybe they did i would guess they did did you see who he had catching passes from him like he had elite wide receivers at the nfl level in college I, I, to me it's chase without a, a shadow Here, of a doubt and the i want to ask thing i want to ask you one question who was okay. the left tackle for lsu that year you don't know. No one knows. I don't know either. I thank you. <laughs> like I have no clue. <laughs> and and to, and here's the thing about about that. If that's how it goes, you know who really gets screwed? The Dolphins trading back up from yeah. twelve to six. Our our friend Ben Baldwin messaged me and and was wondering about our take on that. I think I think we are both both of our stances is that second trade was negative EV by itself. Mm-hmm. We're choosing to look at it like a full one trade but at the same time like the only thing so i've backed off that a little bit the only thing that makes that second trade meaningful is if that sixth pick could possibly be used to trade for another team who's desperate for a quarterback i do think if they trade that pick and go back to like nine with denver or eight with carolina and i do think they'll end up with more than if they just stood at 12 like i think that that'll end up being the case and if you take a chance on that Like, I think you're buying an option there. And again, if they stay pat and take like the third best of Chase, Pitts, or Sewell, then I don't think that that second trade-up was worth it. But if you can trade that, the, the, the mere fact that you can probably trade that pick to a desperate team for Mac Jones, Trey Lance, or possibly Justin Fields, to me, makes the conversation a little less black and white, even, even though that, that trade was, as Timo calculated, and as we agree with, negative EV. You said it all. Okay, we're going to do some win totals. Our Sunday show is going to be dedicated completely to win totals because they are out on DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, we're going to tease it a little bit. We're going to talk NFC South because we did just talk about the Atlanta Falcons. There's really no other place to start. You know, our season begins really and it ends with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, so here are the numbers. Uh, they are up on DraftKings Sportsbook right now if you want to go check them out and bet on them. Uh, Tampa Bay, 11 and a half. Again, 17 game season. Tampa Bay, 11 and a half, New Orleans, nine, uh, Carolina, seven and a half. Each of those minus 110 to both sides. Our Atlanta Falcons, seven, minus 143 to the over, plus 118 to the under. So really adjusted. It's about 7.4, basically the same as Carolina, a little lower. And I'd like to start off by just saying, how dare, how dare Vegas just just slap Atlanta in the face like that. Well, so I mean, that is disrespectful. I said with the 16-game schedule, I did say six and a half, which is yep. basically what you're seeing. Yeah. I I the the way that the the way that they were painting the division odds, they were gonna come in low on the Falcons. And I'm telling you right now, we'd simulated the season. Now we don't have a ton of we don't have all the information, George, but I this is this is the first PFF forecast pick. Uh, of the of 2021 offseason we're contractually we have, obligated we have the we have the falcons going seven or more wins oh <laughs> this is crazy i mean we have this over we have we have it about 63 percent of the time so 
you got to take it. I think I've already taken it. Um, I, I just think it, a couple of things I'll, I've said this before. I'll reiterate it very quickly. Um, they're getting a huge boost, a huge boost from an offensive scheme perspective. And if you think about what drives, you know, what drove Matt Ryan to an MVP season, he he's, he hasn't like become a worse quarterback. His opportunity to make positively graded throws was so enhanced by Kyle Shanahan's system. Arthur Smith is not going to be quite that, but he's going to bring a lot of that back. He has Julio, he has Calvin Ridley. He brings in. Now, a lot of players are not going to contribute year one as of a rookie. But you know who we have seen contribute year one as rookies recently have been pass catchers. And I think that is a legitimate, you can legitimately think a chase or a pits is going to contribute, you know, year one, especially in that offense. And that to me is just enough. You look at that offense and you go, how many wins should this offense have just with an average defense? It's, it's, it's nine. Now I know there's some falconiness yeah, that gets yeah. put in there, but like that's disrespectful to put them at seven in my opinion. Well, and there's a couple other things. There's Carolina. We're not sure about mm -hmm. like, think about the, the range of outcomes for the Panthers. You either have Teddy Bridgewater, who is not going to be favored in a game against Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, the sixth most valuable quarterback in the NFL, using PFO for the last three years. The last three years, by the way, all losing seasons for the Falcons. I don't even need to clump 17, which was a good year for him, and 16, which is an MVP year. He is, over the last three years, the sixth most valuable player in football, no matter what. You throw Breeze out of there. This is part of the argument, too. He's a top-five quarterback in terms of value. You have him, right? You have... The, your, the Panthers are not going to be favored in either game, whether it be Bridgewater or a rookie quarterback, by the way, mm -hmm. which is the other mm -hmm. side, which should have Panthers fans happy for the future, but would not have me fading the Falcons in 2021. New Orleans says Jameis Winston, who like we like Jameis, but he's not going to be favored in the game against Matt Ryan either. So you have the you have four division games, which were last year probably one and three, right? You were favored at home against Carolina, not on the road, and you were not favored in either New Orleans game. Now you're three and one, let's say, four and oh, maybe. And then Tampa, who again is another team, the, the Falcons have a 17 nothing lead on the on the Buccaneers at home at halftime during the Bucks win streak that concluded with the Super Bowl. They were yeah. they were playing with that team. If you get normal regression out of the defense, look, Arthur Smith's Tennessee Titans defenses were no better than this Falcons defense. Fair. I'm sorry. They were horrid, and, actually. And they were painted last year at eight and a half, nine as a win total. That should be the comparison when you look at the Falcons. It should be to the Titans, who are now playing, weirdly, in an AFC South-type division in the NFC South with Breeze retiring. It, it's a really good point. Ryan Tannehill went from Adam Gase to Arthur Smith and turned into one of the most efficient quarterbacks. In fact, they were the most efficient offense on first and second down when throwing the football. Matt Ryan has been languishing. Matt Ryan's a better, I'm just, let me put this out there. Matt Ryan is a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. The stats haven't said that over the past couple of seasons because of what Ryan Tannehill has had from an environment perspective. That's going to change dramatically this season. There's also um, there's also the fact that the Falcons have put significant draft capital in the offensive line. And as the aforementioned Timo Riske has said, has, has documented, offensive line is the toughest position to acclimate to in the NFL. So when you're looking at offensive linemen who have struggled since being drafted by the Falcons, there's a chance that they emerge and become at Average. least okay. Mm -hmm. And and again, in Smith's system, what looked like trash under Dirk Cutter might end up looking like treasure uh, under Smith. Again, we're looking at, to me, 
a seven flat. I know you're paying some juice to bet the over. It, to me, it's just it's you, you can't I, you can't not. So let me ask you this: Do you think because you look at the numbers and do you think the fact that there's 17 games and people will see the numbers and they'll go, hmm, that seems that's interesting. They, they won't account for the 17 to- number of games total and well enough. And that'll actually change people from always betting overs. People love overs to being a little more um, on the, on the unders. Do you think that'll happen or no? Maybe. I mean, most of the time an under is a good play, you know, yeah. in all these, and because you have a tie every once in a while, like last year we had one tie, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that I think contributed the Bengals went under their win total, mm-hmm. I think in because of a tie, maybe they were one and a half games below. Eagles also, um, you, those like th- those are games that are thrown out, right? So those those add up to more than two seventy two anyway. And when you throw a tie or two in for season like that, that makes under such a good play. Um, so, but I think it's just I think look, I think people have been burned by the Falcons for a long time. It's why last season the Browns, who you look at all the indicators. We're a play like we're a playoff ready team and no one wanted to touch any of that because you saw it year after year after year. It was like the boy who cried wolf type of thing. I think that that's where the Falcons are currently. Um, but okay, let's get, that's, let's that's do, just where there's value in the marketplace. Let's do um, let's run through these other teams because we, we paid a lot of attention to the Falcons. Let's uh, let's do a minute on Carolina. I'll start here. Seven and a half. I do think that they will draft a, a rookie quarterback. And um, this is. I think a little rich for me. Like I'm not, I'm not ready to go ahead and say Carolina is going to win eight games. Um, if I had to take one side of this, if they have Mac Jones, for example, um, I will take under seven and a half. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think the, um, I you know we have seven and a half as our projection. Um, so uh, I certainly think that that number's fair. I'm not going to be betting it. Yeah, I, I'm just picking a side. I, I agree. I wouldn't bet it. New Orleans at nine. What are your thoughts on that? This is one I was you know, talking to you privately. I think like we're just struggling right now, not knowing exactly who the quarterback mm-hmm. is. Um, our number is more like nine and a half, but we have a strong prior on Jameis. We have a strong prior on Sean Payton. We have a strong prior on that roster in general, even though it's lost a lot of pieces. This is one where the numbers say bet over, but I, I would probably still not bet it. I'm with you. And if, if I were forced to, if a gun was put to my head, I would probably go under. I probably would. I just think there's a lot of regression on that, um, on that team coming. And I don't know that, I don't know that Winston gets off to the greatest start. He's, there's going to be a little bit of pressure on him. Um, yeah. Tampa Bay, 11 and a half. This is, uh, this is in, actually lower than I thought it would be. Um, what, what were your reactions to 11 and a half? Yeah. The chiefs are the only team with a win total above the 11 and a half. They paint 12. Um, I think I, you know, I would bet under on Tampa here. Um, I think we have it going under about 64% of the time. Um, you know, Tampa's they get, they, well, for one, they're an NFC team, right. And mm-hmm. we talked about this on Sunday, NFC teams have to play their 17th game on the road. Um, which didn't affect Tampa last year in the playoffs, but obviously, you know, road, road games are a little bit, you know, going to be harder this year than I think they were last year. Um, and a lot of things went right for Tampa. They had the best war per dollar spent at safety 
quarterback, wide receiver, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, there's just going to be regression there, I think. And, and 11 and a half is a lot. It was the same. It was the same argument with Baltimore last year, right? Uh, it's just, you have to go under a number that high for a team, um, like that. I, I do see your point. You could not, you could not get me to, to bet on Tom Brady winning, um, under, 11 and a half games with an offense that I think, um, look, they might have Antonio Brown back, but I think that offense is really deep. Um, and Brady played so well last year. So I'm not saying that this is one, something that I'm going to go out to bet, but if I, I were forced to, like, I think about the Patriots, this division, not particularly strong. We just talked about that. You know, the Patriots, when Tom Brady was there and just running things, we're not as talented as this team and we're continually pumping out, you know, 12, 13 win seasons. So, um, with the extra game, um, I, I also thought they got off to such a bad start last year. You know, I, I think that will color that, how people view of them. I think defensive regression is going to happen, but I actually think their offense will be better this year um, than it was in totality last year. So, um, I, but I agree. I think it's a no bet for me. Uh, we will be back on Sunday. We're going to talk about all the other divisions. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for hanging out. Appreciate Sage Rosenfels for, uh, for coming on. Make sure you go subscribe at pff.com. Get yourself a draft guide. Get ready. We're only a month away, baby. We're in April now. So let's get it. Eric, peace, brother.